0: Hi, I'm David Stoker, and I want to welcome you to the Better Life and Recovery hashtag Hope Dealer Movement podcast. As a visible and vocal member of the recovery community since 2009, I'm frequently asked questions and for advice from people all the time. Some are curious, some are still using, some are in recovery, and some people just care about somebody who's currently struggling with a hurt habit or hangout. If people in my community have those questions, I guarantee that people everywhere are looking for answers as well. We started this podcast to give you answers and support, because not only is recovery real, it is amazing. Hope you enjoy the show. Today we're going to be talking about grief. Um, I really wanted to talk about grief and loss today for a couple of reasons. For starters, I know that there are a lot of people who are losing loved ones. Right, uh, just to substance use alone. Last year, we lost over seventy-two thousand people to drug poisonings, and another eighty-eight thousand people to the consequences of alcohol. You know, so we're looking at over four hundred people a day between drugs and consequences of alcohol. And that's a lot of people, and each one of those people has parents and siblings and children and grandparents and friends and coworkers that love them and are experiencing the loss whenever they pass away Um, another reason i want to do that is because uh today is february 10th and february 12th is the anniversary of my father's suicide it'll be 11 years this uh tuesday it's been it, it was awesome it was in some ways because it was a catalyst for my sobriety a year later uh unfortunately my wife met me after my father passed and i would argue that valentine's day up until maybe two years ago maybe even last year was always a a, a really bad time for her because it's something that that re- reinvigorates over and over again you know one of the stories i tell it was uh I think it was the second anniversary of my dad's death. And as I was pulling onto to uh, the parking lot at at the time I was working at a treatment center, I ran over a squirrel. And instantly, I just I erupted, started bawling. you know. Uh, and my boss was walking by my director. And I remember her knocking on my window and looking up and tears streaming down my face. I mean, I'm like, like ugly crying. And she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like... My dad died two years ago today, and I just ran over and killed a squirrel, and she was just like, David, go home. And I remember I was like, but, but there's people that are here, and I've got appointments, and she's like, well, get them covered. Go home. So that's one of the other reasons that I kind of want to talk about grief and loss is because I'm two days away from the anniversary of my father's suicide, and they say you teach best what you need to learn most. And this week, I really think that I need a refresher on grief and loss. Finally, people aren't really well-informed about grief and loss. In fact, I would argue that many people are misinformed about grief and loss. And it's sad, and it's scary, and I think a lot of times it's not done intentionally. Uh, And we'll get into that. So for starters, I mean, what is grief, right? Uh, it's It's a normal and natural reaction to significant emotional loss of any kind. And when I say any kind, I mean there are so many different types of losses, right? Of course, there's a death, which is the first thing people think of. But how about divorce? Uh, How about moving? How about graduating? How about getting married? Uh, How about recovery? You know, uh, when I got sober, there was a sense of loss that I went through. Because drugs were the only thing that were there for me every single time I needed them. And I know for some people that sounds bad, but what I mean by that is if I had a really, really difficult thing happen, uh, my sister was there for me 99.9% of the time. But every once in a while, I would knock on her door or call her up, and she would be like, listen, I am busy, I'm working, and I can't talk right now. Or, hey, you know what? This came up, and I'm dealing with that. So with drugs, I knew every single time I used, it would allow me to escape. Right? Now that's not good. Right? I escaped for almost a quarter of a century from the trauma that I went through as a kid, in fact, most of my childhood. So and every time I got sober, those things would still be there. So escape isn't a good thing, but but I came to depend on it. And it was always there, even when nothing else was. So when I stopped using, I lost the routine, I lost everything that came with substance use. And because of that, I definitely experienced some grief because of that. Um, finally, grief impacts people in a lot of different ways, right? It can cause you to feel really numb because uh, my emotions are so stunted and overwhelmed that I can't feel anything else. Um, it might change eating habits, right? Some people, I comfort eat. You know, I'm wor- still working on that now, so a lot of people will comfort eat. Uh, You will also have people that will not have no appetite. So they're going to lose a lot of weight because of grief. Um, What else? Uh, Sleep. Some people may sleep forever and some people may not be able to sleep at all. Um, Some people may not be able to concentrate on anything. Some people may have like hyper emotionality that will happen because of the loss that they've experienced. And. It can also cause people to lose a lot of different things uh people can lose trust people can you know uh i thought that this person was going to love me forever and they cheated on me with my best friend and now they're with somebody else so we're grieving that relationship and i can't trust anybody because that was the one person i knew was my uh what are they my ride or die right my side person So uh, other people lose faith. You know, how could you take my kid from me? If there was truly a God that loved me and loved everybody, how could you possibly take my child? Other people, uh, there's a a, a loss of control, right? Because, uh, man, I'm supposed to be able to protect my kid. And I'm supposed to be there for them to keep them safe. And they're no longer here. And that's on my watch. That's my bad. So those are just a couple different types of losses that uh, that people may go through uh whenever they're dealing with grief and loss finally grief and loss is individual and unique and this is the part that i think a lot of people uh get misinformed on honestly a lot of people have neatly categorized uh grief using uh the kubler ross Uh, if anybody remembers elizabeth kubler ross right she uh she has her, what, what everybody calls the stages of grief and loss. But guess what? It's not the stages of grief and loss. Actually, she did a study on death and dying. She was very, very uh, specific about that distinction in her books whenever she published. And yet the media and colleges and counseling professionals continue to attach her work to grief her study was with people who just found out that they were going to die her study was with people who just found out that they had terminal conditions i'm not gonna lie it's a lot easier for me to deal with me dying and finding out i'm gonna die than dealing with finding out somebody that i care about somebody that i love is gonna die so even elizabeth said listen this is not this is specific for people that are going to die that are approaching death and learning that they're going to die and instead every counseling professional in every college and almost every class has whipped that around and call it the stages of grief and loss she didn't call it that and she didn't call it that for a reason and I, because of that man so many people are going to people for counseling on grief And they're being treated with the stages of grief and loss, which weren't, it wasn't even created for that. So if you're seeing a grief counselor and that's what you're talking about, that concerns me considerably, right? So grief is not only treated wrong, sometimes it's also misdiagnosed. Post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, major depressive episodes, uh, attention deficit—you uh, know, ADHD. Grief is a normal and natural thing for people to go through. It's not a pathological condition, and we really, should really, really need to focus on that. It's normal. It's kind of like uh, when you go in and do psychological first aid. If anybody's ever done psychological first aid, your job is to go in and talk to people in. And say, hey, uh, where are you sleeping tonight? Do you have food? Do you have something to drink? Uh, Oh my gosh, you're mad? I, uh, I can't even imagine how you must be feeling right now. It's okay to be mad. Oh, you're sad, you're depressed? It's okay to be sad and depressed. I would be sad and depressed too if I was going through this. You know, it's natural. It's not something that that needs to be a diagnosis. Unfortunately, if it's not dealt with and treated properly, it can become, it can develop into a diagnosis over time. Fortunately, without medication, there's ways we can go in and and deal with it. So it's treated wrong. It's misdiagnosed. People continue to use Kubler-Ross's Stages of Death and Dying. Uh, by giving them a name that doesn't even fit on them Uh, the truth is there's a lot of people that have unresolved grief millions you know, We talked about divorces. We talked about losing jobs. We talked about all these different things. Uh, when there's a divorce, how many people does it impact? It doesn't just impact the husband and wife that are getting the divorced. It impacts kids. It impacts brothers, sisters, moms, dads, friends. People feel like they have to choose sides. I mean, there's so many different people that are impacted through a divorce. When somebody dies, does it just impact the the siblings or the moms and dads know it impacts the, their schoolmates, uh, their friends, their coworkers, uh, people that they're in groups and organizations with. There's so many different people that can get impacted by each one of these things that I would argue there's probably tens of millions of people in our country that are experiencing grief and loss right now. And for a lot of those people, it may be unresolved and it may be long term. So how do we know if we have unresolved grief? Uh, one of those ways to tell is if you're unwilling to think or talk about someone who's died or you're uh, unwilling to think or talk uh, or express feelings about the loss. Um, if you find memories to turn painful, like the, the fun memories to turn painful, Or if you only want to talk about either all the positive things that happened or all the negative aspects of a relationship, those are some of the bigger signs of uh, somebody who's dealing with unresolved grief. Um, One of the scary things is that unresolved grief is cumulative and then it doesn't respond to medication. Like I said, a lot of times it's misdiagnosed, but the medication's not going to help. So people need to work through their losses. People need to complete their incomplete relationships. And if they don't, it can lead to suicide, heart attacks, and all kinds of uh, lifelong trauma that's going to impact somebody negatively. So uh, first I want to talk about some things not to say to somebody who's grieving. Uh, How about this one? Don't feel bad. Or hey, look on the bright side, which is always followed by something like uh, they're not in pain anymore or they're in a better place. Their suffering's over. Uh, Okay, but what about my suffering? How do I know they're in a better place? Right? Uh, You're talking to people like they have the exact same uh, faith or belief that you have. They may not have that. You know, um, what are some other things we say? Uh, Be strong. Because grieving obviously means you're weak. So you need to be strong because if you grieve, then that's a sign of a weak person. Oh my gosh i think it takes a stronger person to show emotion than it does to swallow it down the biggest baddest toughest person in the room is generally the most scared hurt person in there so if somebody's showing their emotion they don't need to be strong they need to let that out how about time heals or it just takes time i mean does time heal yeah if you do things to help it along and to work on uh completing that incomplete relationship But, oh, my gosh, uh, I've gone to uh, suicide support groups after I lost my dad. And I listened to the people who were uh, the mom and dad who were the ones leading the support group I went to. Their son had passed away 20 years ago, and they were still just as angry and bitter as they were 20 years before. So did time heal? No. No. Um, that person is still gone. I still miss them. I love them. I want them in my life and I don't have them. So time may not heal that. And that's perfectly fine. I've always said it feel, it feels like a piece of my heart died when my dad died. I don't know if that piece of me will ever feel again i don't know if it will ever be there again and i'm perfectly okay with that because i've worked through some things and, and came to uh to do some of the things i needed to do to help complete that relationship and we'll talk about some of that uh further on in the end and i know talking about incomplete relationships and some of those things may seem a little uh different to you but i i guess part of it is because i went through a training years ago for uh gr- grief recovery i'm a grief recovery specialist. And I think that's where a lot of the stuff that I talk about comes from is through going through that uh, training and listening to a lot of people who have lost loved ones. Um, What are some other things? Uh, Just keep busy. Okay, because I'm going to keep busy. But then once I have some downtime, I'm going to reflect right back on those things because I've never done anything to work on them. Uh, How about uh, this is my least favorite. I know how you feel. Really? Because when my dad died by suicide, my sister's dad also died by suicide, and we handled it completely differently. And we dealt with it completely differently because we're different people and we deal with things in different ways. It is extremely egotistical to think that you know exactly where somebody's coming from right? And that also demeans them and it lessens their feelings and emotion. Because man, what if they don't know where I, how I feel, then am I wrong? How about you shouldn't still be feeling that way? Like I'm going to sit there and tell you how long you have the right to grieve over losing somebody. This is not a step-by-step, hey, it's going to be three months here, six months there, three months there. You might bounce back here for a couple months, right? This is... Go- this is a process that people have to work through, and people work through that process differently. Um, how about replace the loss? I remember with relationships, and uh, this would be a little crass, but I remember you know, the best way to get over somebody is to get uh, under somebody new, right? Uh, because then I'm going to put myself in another horrible relationship because I'm not taking time to pay attention to what I'm doing. So I think that's another really important thing. You don't have to replace your loss. If I lost my dog, getting another dog doesn't mean that my dog didn't still die. And that was my fur baby, my family member. That was my kid, right? That's not going to change that. Um, It was God's will. Really, it was God's will to take my kid from me. For somebody who, A, may not believe in God, or B, somebody who is already struggling with their faith, How dare you tell somebody something like that? So that's another really bad one, too. Or how about God never gives you more than you can handle? Okay, well, if that's true, then I really wish God didn't have this much faith in me. Because sometimes it feels like my back's going to break from everything. So those are definitely things not to say to people. So what can we say to people? Uh, I can't imagine how heartbreaking that must have been for you. I can't imagine how you felt. I know when I lost my dad, this is how I felt. Man, I'm so sorry for what you're going through right now. Can I ask what happened? You know, don't be afraid to ask somebody what happened. Don't be afraid to talk to somebody. I remember when my dad died, I had a couple people that supported me. But everybody else, it seemed like they fled. They didn't want to talk to me. They didn't want to deal. Because that's another one. Well, you can just grieve alone. You just need some time by yourself to work through this. That's the worst thing for a lot of people is to put them all by themselves because we can come to some really negative conclusions if that happens. So don't ever say, like we said, I know what you're going through. Instead, I can't imagine what that's like. But what happened? Be empathetic, right? Uh, Acknowledge it's okay to feel sad. I mean, that's part of recovery. When I'm recovering from grief and loss, I'm still going to feel sad sometimes. I'm still going to have times that I think about that. But when I have those sad feelings, it's important for me to talk about them and to have people around to help support me. Uh, Recovery, uh, it's not easy. And time won't touch it. Uh, Recovery comes from acquiring skills and then making a series of small and correct choices and being led in the right direction which there's some really good therapists out there that can do that so what do we need to do for starters uh we don't need grief support we need grief recovery i don't want to support your grief i want to sit there and and work with you and help you get better and like i said maybe that's because of the grief recovery specialist thing but i mean find somebody who's a grief recovery specialist or find somebody that doesn't sit there and tell you where you're going to go through these stages of grief and loss. Because as we've already discussed, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross created five stages of death and dying. She did it with people that found out they were terminal, not with people that just found out they'd lost somebody they loved. Completely different right there. So if they are sitting there and they are pulling that in as a as their main counseling tool or something to tell you that you're going to go through know that the person who created that study didn't create that study for that reason. I don't know. That just blows my mind that so many people grab onto it. And it amazes me how many grief trainings I've gone to and even classes that I took in college that sat there and introduced me to Kubler-Ross's stages of grief and loss. So... I don't know it it just we're leading people down a wrong field uh so one of the things we talk about is is you need to make a commitment to uh long-term relief and you need to learn how to complete those incomplete relationships uh one of the things we do is we start with the loss history graph from the earliest loss you can remember to the most recent and then as you look at all those losses over your lifetime you look at how intensely they impact you Um, and then once you look at how intensely they impact you and you start with the one that impacts you the most, right? Uh, this is complete opposite of like debt pay down where I'm going to put all my bills together and then I'm going to pay off the smallest and work my way up here. We want you to start with the one that impacts you the most and work your way down. So, um, what we would do in grief recovery is after that you identify that, then we would have you look at whether or not there was misinformation and uh it within the loss and what coping behaviors did you misuse and by that a lot of times uh people will use things like anger sex uh substance use food work shopping to escape or numb themselves from dealing with that loss and if we continue to use those things then of course we're never going to be able to fully heal right because eventually there's not going to be cheesecake around and when there's no cheesecake around those feelings are going to come back up and they're going to be raw again so then we uh sit there and we look at the incomplete relationships in those uh in that history graph from the thing we identified and then we actually make a relationship graph that looks at whether or not there were undelivered communications like were there apologies for things I did or didn't do that might have hurt the person that I need to make now right um forgiveness forgiveness is basically giving up hope for a better or a different yesterday Right. It's letting go of a resentment. What do they say about a resentment? It's like drinking poison to kill somebody else. So when it comes to forgiveness, we've got to realize that, man, it may be too late. So there's going to have to be a way that we can make it and release it. And finally, we look at emotional statements, right? Like positive or negative things that we never delivered. Uh, Whether it was love, hate, pride, uh, shame, gratitude, thanks. What were things I wanted to say or express in that relationship that I never got to? And then once we have all those things laid out, we sit down and we create a completion letter to that person, that relationship, that thing where we address all the things that we found were incomplete in the relationship and from there man i would love to tell you hey now your relationship's complete but honestly even once we complete an incomplete relationship it's not about forgetting or uh never being sad about it again it doesn't matter how many times i've worked through my father's suicide it always pops back up especially around this time of year and i find myself listening to music that brings those memories back up intentionally because I give myself permission to feel those feelings. I'm okay with those feelings now. Um, I'm glad that I had enough love for my dad and my dad had enough love for me that I have fond memories of him that cause me to miss him. Right? So if you want to check out some really, uh, some songs that'll kick your butt uh, about uh, if you have a father that passed away, look on my Facebook page um, on February 12th. And I guarantee you I will have four or five song- videos on there that are songs that, that remind me of my dad that I play over and over and over and over again because, because I love them and I allow myself to feel that sadness. Um, the cool thing about working through and completing that relationship, though, is now there's less things that pop back up and beat me up over and over and over and over again because I've worked through those things you know those things that I never got to say to my dad because it was sudden right those things um I've now said to him so a lot of people do it right they use the empty chair like I said or writing that letter burning it here we use that completion letter and it's been amazing So the other really cool part about recovery is that you get tools to process future feelings when you experience them. When new things pop up, I now have some tools that I can use to work through. So in closing, as far as talking about uh, grief support, and I don't know, maybe that's something that, maybe that's something I need to bring back in the future, uh, is setting up a grief class. Because I know, man, it, it's overwhelming the number of people I know who have lost loved ones to overdoses recently within the past couple of years. And unfortunately, while it's improving in some areas, it's increasing in others. So I don't I think it's going to continue to get worse for a while. It's definitely going to get worse before it gets better. But uh, in closing, just remember, grief is a natural and normal response. It's not a disorder medication is not going to fix grief but if we don't address grief it can lead to lifelong consequences that are going to reduce your uh your capacity to feel happy right so we've got to work on those things also one last thing elizabeth Kubler ross i've got to just keep going back to that because of the way it's been shoved at us because i guarantee if i were to ask 10 of you right now Uh, Have you heard of Kubler-Ross and her five stages of grief and loss? You would say, absolutely. Man, we studied those in school or, hey, when I lost this person, that's what we talked about in our support group. Don't forget, Kubler-Ross in her literature said this is for people that have just found out they were terminal and are going to die. That's why she called them the stages of death and dying not the stages of grief and loss so it has been appropriated by other people and applied to something that it was never meant to go to so man i i I, my heart goes out to each and every person out there um because i know a lot of you and i know what you've gone through uh i know the losses that you've gone through i know how hard it is to deal with uh and for some of you i can't even begin to imagine you know i've got a friend uh i'll call him out by name brent swanson and brent says when you're a parent who has a kid that's actively using it's like being on a completely different planet than every other parent but he said man i've got to imagine that whenever you lose a kid to substance use or suicide that that it's like you're in a completely different galaxy than everybody else that's not a galaxy i ever want to be on it's a galaxy i I am glad that i've never had to experience i've had some uh what do they call it vicarious trauma from being around parents who have lost their kids but just being around that gives me no concept of what that's like i've lost people but i will never know what you're experiencing right now but i want you to know that there's help out there there's support out there um man, find people, talk to people. I know that's one of the big things that needs to be done. We need to talk and express, but there's also steps we can work through that are going to help us process through that and maybe complete some of the things that we never got closure on. And I think that's what really makes grief stack up over time is we have these things that we never got closure on. In closing, I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast Please join us every week for new episodes. If you want to connect with us further, if you have any questions, topics you'd like to hear in the future, or maybe you would like to be on the podcast sometime, you can connect with us at betterlifeandrecovery.com. Uh, there's a Better Life and Recovery page on Facebook, or you can, uh, we're on Twitter, uh, BLIR underscore NPO. Also, this podcast is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about the network at studiodna.media. Thanks a lot. Y'all have a great week.